0: Lamu Coker
1: got his membership to One Medical through work.
2: It was within the building that we currently are in New York.
1: His job at Google, paid the membership fee, and he had access to the company's roster of primary care doctors, in-person clinics, and telehealth.
2: And uh, they had ample amounts of appointment times and, frankly, a variety, a, a diversity of doctors available in um, you know, as African American, you know that's that's important to find doctors that you think uh, can service your all needs.
1: Later, when his wife got pregnant, it was incredibly convenient.
2: It was great to have the virtual appointments where you could just call them up, the nurse at any point in time, and they can handle it. So it's been it's been a great service, and I found great value from it.
1: Now, with the news that Amazon is buying One Medical, Lamu is trying to think through whether he'll stay as a patient. On the one hand, he's really liked the care. On the other, Lemieux works in tech, and he understands the value of consumer data. And when that's healthcare data, it gives him some pause.
2: Amazon has a lot of different personalized data about a lot of different people. You know, what does that mean for privacy in the future? You know, will they, will they be able to suggest things that I'm not comfortable with them suggesting um, publicly? Um, and that's that's the thing that worries me the most. And, you know, I, I can't say Amazon has had the, the best track record for that stuff. So a thing that's something to worry about.
1: Today on the show, Amazon's bid to buy one medical. Will it create a seamless experience for patients? Or is it a data disaster waiting to happen? I'm Lizzie O'Leary, and you're listening to What Next TBD, a show about technology, power, and how the future will be determined. Stick around. When reporter Rebecca Pfeiffer heard about Amazon's plans to buy one medical for $3.9 billion, she wasn't that surprised. Rebecca covers health tech for Healthcare Dive, and Amazon has been trying to get into the healthcare sector for years.
0: I feel like every time Amazon does anything in the healthcare space, people are like, this is just the beginning of their ambitions. And it's, it's probably true. But also, I think it's good to sort of uh, manage expectations in a bit in that what they've, when they've tried to be, um, or when they've said they're going to be incredibly disruptive in the space before, those efforts have fizzled out.
1: Most notably, beginning in 2018, Amazon tried a high-profile partnership with J.P. Morgan Chase and Berkshire Hathaway called Haven. The point of Haven was to help lower healthcare costs for employers through company benefits packages, but it never really caught on and shut down last year. Amazon has had some modest successes in healthcare. It bought the online pharmacy PillPack in 2018. Its division, Amazon Web Services, provides cloud storage to a lot of healthcare systems. And it has a wearable device called Halo that tracks health data. But in one medical, assuming regulators approve the deal, Amazon has the chance to own a healthcare business outright, one where people or their employers pay roughly $200 a year to join.
0: One Medical is a network of primary care clinics that are normally situated in large metropolitan areas, usually in areas where there are large employers. And then they Inc. contracts with those employers to cover the primary care of their patient base. Hmm. So if you're a One Medical patient, whether that contract, that about $200 a year subsidize your employer, whether you pay that directly, you get access to primary care for that entire year at One Medical. And then if you need uh, specialty care, you get referrals out of the One Medical network. And there's also a telehealth benefit there. So you can access One Medical physicians who are salaried employees of One Medical virtually if you prefer.
1: In addition to the doctors and the telehealth, One Medical also has an electronic medical record system, one that contains a lot of data on its more than 750,000 patients. One of the things that I have been struck by as as someone who has used One Medical services is so much of what they do relies on technology. They have an app, you communicate with your provider on an app. You can even, you know, kind of do treat me now things where maybe it's a something that's a, a fairly standard diagnosis. You can send a text to your provider and say, "Hey, will you will you send in the medication for me?" It, it seems like they already are a pretty high-tech clinic.
0: I think it's fair to think of them as a health tech company, right? What Hmm. what they offer in terms of primary care and more data-driven care is something that's becoming more in vogue in the healthcare space. Um, And I think that's one of the reasons that Amazon was attracted to them as opposed to maybe other standalone primary care companies is that they do have this very robust internal tech stack. They do have a mobile app. And that's something that obviously Amazon is also internally very obsessed with is how to use data to drive uh, convenience and and keep people within your wheelhouse when it comes to things they buy and things they consume.
1: If you're currently a one medical patient, do you anticipate that this means a lot of changes for you? Or is it something that you're even going to notice?
0: I think that's the question that everyone's kind of asking. We're already seeing at least, you know, some One Medical patients on Twitter are saying they're going to cancel their memberships because of this over concerns of what Amazon might do if their acquisition of One Medical goes through. Because people are, understandably, given, you know, tech giants' history of collating health data, they're wary about um, Amazon getting their hands on what is arguably the most sensitive type of information a company can get their hands on. In the near term, there's going to be very little change uh, to One Medical. Amazon has said that They plan to keep One Medical operating as an independent entity in the near term, obviously, uh, until the deal closes. And then they want to sort of integrate it in with their existing healthcare offerings. It kind of remains to be seen whether there's going to be any disruption in terms of the business model or whether Amazon's just going to say, hey, we have a good thing going to here. We're just going to become an independent primary care operator.
1: One Medical also has a company they recently acquired called Ayora Health. What is that and what does it bring to the table?
0: It was a really a, a pivot from One Medical's historical operating model in that historically and they don't they don't like to be called this but they were more of a concierge care provider where their clientele was comprised mostly of the healthy wealthy well, right? Where you were getting people who were gainfully employed at large employers who had very few complex health conditions. Um, and one medical operated within t- the fee for service space, which is in healthcare where you get paid based off the volume of the services you provide. Um, Iora is a very different beast. Iora is in the value-based care space in Medicare. So Iora gets paid by assuming financial risk for a population of patients. So they mm. get paid a certain amount of money in the Medicare programs that they're active in to manage the care of patients. And then whatever savings they're able to eke out, they get to retain in uh, profit.
1: The idea being that the better care you provide, the less kind of follow up your patient needs, the better you as a healthcare provider do.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It's all about risk management. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day.
1: When I zoom out and look at this this potential deal, $3.8 billion is a lot of money, even for Amazon. And One Medical is a company that has been losing money. And even after hearing you describe all the different parts of One Medical, is it wrong to wonder if what Amazon is really paying for here is this
0: vast trove of data? I don't think it's wrong to wonder about that. I think that the price that Amazon paid for One Medical is definitely a premium um, based off how One Medical was trading um, at the time that the deal was inked. I think if you also look at the valuations of health tech companies early 2021, they were exceedingly high compared to where they are now. So you can argue that Amazon sure is paying a premium based off how One Medical is valued now, but it's potentially getting a good deal banking on the growth prospects there. Yes, One Medical isn't profitable, but they're in the brick and mortar business. You have to invest pretty heavily in your physical footprint to build that out um, to to get on the path to profitability. So that's one argument. I do think the data... it, it. it would be exceedingly improbable if the data didn't factor into Amazon's decision. Um, Let's talk about data. I mean, what is what is stopping Amazon from using, say,
1: your health data to market products to you?
0: I think there are two potential readings depending on sort of where you fall on the... Um, the techno-optimism spectrum. So the more optimistic read, right, is that Amazon's going to do what they say, right? They're going to take One Medical and take its reams of patient data and operate this primary care clinic chain and bring more convenience and lower costs to healthcare uh, by by integrating all their various healthcare offerings, right? That's the, the optimistic... Side of things, the more pessimistic read, and the reason why a lot of people are concerned in the wake of this uh, acquisition is that Amazon will take One Medical and take its reams of patient data. Right, because One Medical doesn't just have clinical records; it has chat logs with doctors via telehealth. It has a mobile application where patients can record things like blood pressure and resting heart rate uh, and renew prescriptions and more. So it is it is kind of a treasure trove here and. Amazon might take that and collate or coalesce it somehow with its reams of consumer data to create a um, sort of very exhaustive consumer profile that it might then use to target ads and products and services. So that's the concern. Amazon is saying that it's going to abide by government regulations and HIPAA in this space. So HIPAA is the the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, and it limits what healthcare companies can and can't do with patient data without their permission.
1: I think it's fair to say that HIPAA is one of those laws Americans tend to think we understand, only to find out that we really don't.
0: It is an extremely complex law, so it's very understandable. But a lot of people think that oh, you know, HIPAA is this health data privacy law, and therefore my health data is protected in some way that my other data is not. Um, That's true to an extent, right? So um, HIPAA is fairly specific. Um, It only applies to covered entities, which essentially are health insurers and providers, right? So hospitals, doctors, offices, et cetera, or their business associates who sign contracts with them About this data, right? Um, HIPAA also has a number of exceptions where covered entities can share patient information without their permission. Like what? One of them is for law enforcement. So Hmm. um, medical offices can share patient information with law enforcement. Um, Another is like for public health purposes. Another is for healthcare operations purposes. Its protections are quite strict when they do apply, but it it does have a number of exceptions that I think not a lot of people are aware of.
1: How do you think it fits into this puzzle, right? So Amazon has said it will abide by HIPAA, but you're saying it's also a permissive law. So
0: how do those things come together? I think that HIPAA definitely applies to one medical. In the absence of... A comprehensive federal data privacy laws, which the United States, right, does not have. Does not have. Right. Um, Amazon saying that they're going to adhere to HIPAA doesn't necessarily broker a lot of trust, um, especially given the historical record, especially recently of tech giants and data and health data things like advertising and cross-selling and bundling, right? Are really Amazon's bread and butter and having this data that might be able to help them do that in a, a more targeted fashion available internally will be tempting.
1: I want to take an example and, and really kind of figure out how this might work on a granular level and I, I'm I'm fine to use my own example. So if you're my medical provider, you know that I have an autoimmune disease. You know I take medication for it. You know that I had a kid. You know that I had a C-section. You know that I'm in my 40s. That's actually kind of a lot of stuff. What can you do with that information?
0: Under... HIPAA, if you gave that data to One Medical, if Amazon abides by the most stringent HIPAA, like reading of the statute, because it's an extremely actually like bare bones statute, and most of how we interpret it today is through regulation. So if Amazon takes an extremely severe reading of that, Amazon will not use it for anything other than the provision of medical care, and it will stay entirely under the bucket of One Medical. Um, if Amazon decides to pull that data out and integrate it within its other businesses, it could use that to... It could sell it so other people could target ads to you, potentially, um, if you just had a child like post-maternal care or daycare or diapers, it could use it to... Target videos, if you're a Prime member, it could, you know, say, oh, she just had a child. Maybe she would be more interested in like, I don't know, Peppa Pig or something.
1: Peppa's already dominating my life.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, fantastic show. But I, I think that it could really be interwoven into everything that Amazon already does, right? Which is so much. But... I think too. It's it's important if you, if you don't mind for a second, me ranting because I'm. I think this is very important for people to know. Yeah. It's important to level set in a way that tech giants and data broker companies almost certainly know all that stuff about you already. If you think about it this way, you know, when you're sick, what what do you do? Right, you Google your symptoms. You go to your your search engine and you type in rash or headache or stomachache or ingrown toenail or whatever it is. And then you look for information, you triage your symptoms, and then if you need to, you look for a doctor near you. And Google knows you're doing this, right? It isn't yeah. siloed just because it's medically related information. So I think it's important to know that these companies already have an extremely good idea of what your, your health history and what your medical needs are. And that's already being used to target things.
1: And should that should that worry you or should you think I get benefits from that? Should I think, well, actually, some of these recommendations and ads have been helpful? Or should I think, oh, my goodness, you, you shouldn't know that I have joint pain in my hands and, and sometimes I want to to look up why?
0: I think it really depends on how, how much you care about your privacy. I think we, we live in this era of big data now where all of this data is being proliferated largely without our knowledge and consent as it is. And there are definitive benefits and there are definitive downsides. And it's, it's really just how you personally view the issue.
1: When we come back, could you really subscribe and save on healthcare?
2: by AI, And on Thursdays, we'll be explaining big topics in the news with Verge reporters, experts, and other friends of the show.
0: There's a new generation of people on the internet. Google search has always sucked for them. So, you know, there's no reason for them to be loyal they can just go to TikTok.
2: This is going to be really fun. I'm very excited about all this. So go subscribe wherever you get your podcasts now.
1: For years, big tech companies have wanted to get into healthcare to, to varying degrees. It's a huge... Portion of our economy. It's 19%. We spend a lot of money on healthcare. We argue about it a lot in this country. And I just wonder if there's any real chance that this is going to be different. Is this actual quote unquote disruption? Or is this just sort of like yet another stab at
0: the apple? That's the, the, the $4 trillion question. That's how much we spend on healthcare. Yeah, I think that there is definitive opportunity here because one of the largest issues in healthcare is a lack of coordination between different entities and even within the same entities. And tech companies like your Amazons and your Googles and your Apples are stellar at that. And that could help, right? I think I think it would be unfair to take an extremely negative reading of this and say it might not. But I think historically tech behemoths stepping into healthcare have been booted relatively unceremoniously out, which is why a lot of them operate more so on the periphery. They might have data sharing agreements with hospitals or um, you know, create really targeted benefits for their employees or create products, right? Like wearables is a huge thing. I think Amazon may have realized that acquiring a care delivery entity would be the easiest way to step in.
1: One other thing Rebecca's watching is what the competition does in reaction to this deal. Because Amazon is not alone in trying to build an integrated healthcare company. United Health owns both an insurer and a series of care clinics. So does CVS Health with Aetna.
0: Healthcare companies are starting to realize that whoever gets to the patient first gets to control where they go next. And if you keep that patient under your umbrella for hmm. as much of their care journey as possible, you get to keep all that revenue. And that's something that Amazon is highly aware of as, as well, right? Now that they own a prescriber, who do you think they're going to direct their patients to for prescriptions? Pill pack, right?
1: Amazon has also been working on a hybrid telehealth and in person clinic called Amazon Care it's marketing that as a benefits package that companies could buy and then offer to their employees.
0: So we, ha- we have on one hand the virtual benefit, which is available nationwide, and the in-person benefit, which is going to be available in about 30 cities at the end of this year. So it's it's lagging. So it's difficult to package this as a hybrid care offering, which Amazon says is really going to differentiate the product, which is called Amazon Care, from telehealth competitors because the telehealth space is extremely cluttered and competitive right now, but it's lagging. So One Medical is sort of fast-tracking uh, what Amazon already had in the hopper. Another open question is whether or not Amazon might integrate One Medical benefits into Prime. Oh, my God. Which would be... It's a weird concept, for lack of a better word, you know, weird, given what Prime historically has been, but it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility. Um Amazon Prime has had a recent price hike. Uh, Growth is, is slowing a bit. And Amazon might be thinking, oh, what can we do to make Prime more valuable to consumers? What can we do to justify the cost or potentially even raise it more?
1: You could get a one medical membership with your Prime.
0: Whoa! We could bundle Prime with on-demand primary care with mail-order pharmacy. Maybe they'll send you a wearable. They could create different tiers of Prime based off various health services. I mean, who knows? Like, that's an open question, but I'd be a bit surprised if they hadn't thought about it.
1: While this deal is massive, it still wouldn't do much to change the fundamental flaws in American healthcare: High costs, difficulty in getting care— and a system that rewards doing lots of things to a patient. I have one kind of big picture philosophical question for you. I I covered the ACA, Obamacare, when it was in Congress and, and really kind of when it was being proposed. And one of the big things that we as a country talked about then and still talk about is how much healthcare costs. And A lot of doctors and experts you talk to will say the reason healthcare costs so much in this country is that we follow a fee for service model, right? You get paid more for the more stuff you do. And listening to you talk about Amazon, health tech in general, and all the different commercial opportunities in healthcare, it doesn't sound like any of these things are going to lower costs. It doesn't sound like any of them disrupt the fee for service model and make it so that people pay less
0: to go to the doctor. That is accurate. Almost every single healthcare company likes to message about how they're lowering costs. One medical specifically has some data around this where I think they say that they were able to, maybe it's like have pri- like primary care costs for employers or something like that. Through a flat fee, so through saying this is how much you're going to pay for a year on primary care, that doesn't necessarily mean employees' specialty care costs will go down. There is a fair amount of information and a fair amount of studies that have shown that expanding access to primary care does lower costs in the long run.
1: Because you get care early before something's a crisis.
0: Exactly. If I have a a headache and I go to my primary care physician, they can look at that and see if it might become a bigger problem down the line. Maybe it's just a little headache or maybe it's symptomatic of something larger. And the earlier you catch those things, generally the cheaper that entire continuum of care is for the entire system. And the better it is for the patient, right? Because you prevent worse health outcomes, you prevent mortality, you prevent complications, um, you keep them out of the hospital, right? So the more we can keep patients out of the hospital, the cheaper costs generally will be in a fee-for-service ecosystem. So primary care has a lot of potential to help with that. The United States has chronically underfunded its primary care infrastructure, Um, Many regions of the U.S. don't have, especially rural regions, don't have access to primary care within a a reasonable distance from their home, which is a huge problem. It exacerbates existing health disparities. Um, It it disproportionately hits low-income communities, Black and Hispanic communities, rural communities. Um, So increasing the primary care sort of net under these patients Pretty much everyone agrees would be a good thing. Amazon One Medical in the near term is not going to do that. Um, One Medical, like we've discussed, now has a more diverse patient population, but historically has treated healthier people. Um, and the people who have access to its more convenient benefits are employed and usually live in areas of higher socioeconomic stability. This deal has potential maybe to help lower costs, but for a subset of the population that does not need it as much as others.
1: Rebecca Piper, thank you so much for your reporting and for your time today. Thank you for having me. Rebecca Piper covers digital health and public policy for Healthcare Dive. And that is it for our show today. What Next TBD is produced by Evan Campbell. Our show is edited by Tori Bosch. Joanne Levine is the executive producer for What Next. Alicia Montgomery is vice president of audio for Slate. TBD is part of the larger What Next family, and it's also part of Future Tense, a partnership of Slate, Arizona State University, and New America. And if you're a fan of the show, I have a request for you. Become a member of Slate Plus. Just head on over to slate.com slash What Next Plus to sign up. All right, we will be back on Sunday with another episode. I'm Lizzie O'Leary. Thanks for listening. That's
3: chumbacasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. BTW, Void. we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
3: Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court Justice.